the church, uh, in the Christian Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came, and from the coming of the Holy Spirit, the, the church was formed. So just these first uh, four verses in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's those four verses I want to look at this morning and just open up uh, what it was like that first morning when the Holy Spirit came. It said, when the day of Pentecost came, uh, in God's calendar, it was a fixed date. It didn't come by accident. It wasn't, oh, well, Jesus has come now, he's been crucified, and uh, he's returned to heaven, and I suppose we better send the Holy Spirit. No, it was a, a fixed date. When the day came, when the day of Pentecost came for the Spirit to be sent forth. Day. Isn't it reassuring to know that the Sovereign Lord who we serve his name, or one of his names, is given to us as uh, Adonai Jehovah. That name means the Sovereign Lord. The Lord is sovereign over everything. He is master, not only uh, of heaven, but he is master of the whole universe. He rules over everything, and everything is organized and administrated by him. He knows everything. He knows all about us, all about our lives, and our lives have also been ordained. Let me uh, remind you of that passage in Psalm 139. David says this, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. Our days have been ordained. What does that mean? They've been ordered. They've been decreed by the Lord. Just as the coming of Jesus was ordained, it was decreed. Just as his death and his resurrection and the coming of Pentecost was fixed in the mind of God, fixed on his calendar as it were, so your days have been ordained by God. Sometimes we think the events of the day are unconnected. Uh, our days are unconnected. We, uh, there's some haphazardness in our life. But not with God. Our days have been ordained by Him. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly where we are and what we're doing. And because then, the day of the Holy Spirit came to earth to indwell the people. God was sending His Holy Spirit to indwell His people and the Holy Spirit would never leave them. Once He entered them, He was there to stay. It was a day that was established by God. It appears just as that day was fixed, the day of Pentecost, so the people who were gathered in that room was also ordained by God. It says this, they were all together 
in one place. It gets the impression that all of them that should have been there were there. They all got there, and they all got to the place where God ordained they should be. That sort of strengthens the whole point that, listen, nothing's haphazard with God. It's organized. It's ordained. It's planned. And they were all there. Who were the all? The all that were there. Well, all those that believed in Jesus as the Messiah were there. All who were thirsty for more of God were there. Remember Jesus said, if you're thirsty. So all the thirsty ones, the ones who wanted more of God, more of Jesus in their life, they were there. All those who were obedient to the Lord were there. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit came. And all those who wanted to be there were there. So they were the believers, the thirsty, the obedient, and those who wanted to be there. Consider this whole idea of those those coming, those 120 people, I thought, well, were they invited to be there? How did they know to be there? How did they get to be there? And as I thought about this, I thought back to when Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles. When he was at the Feast of Tabernacles, it says that he stood at the entrance to the temple and he spoke to the people and in what he said, he invited them to that meeting in the upper room that day. This is what it says in John 7, 37 to 39. The last and the great day of the feast, not the Feast of Pentecost, but the Feast of Tabernacles, this is when Jesus said this, he stood and he said in a loud voice, so he said, so all that were in a fairly close proximity, they could all hear what he was saying. This is what he said. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. I believe as I looked over this, this was possibly the invitation to come and be a party of, of those that were there together, gathered in the upper room. If anyone is thirsty, let him come. Let him come to me and to drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So he said, you come, and when we're gathered together, those that want to, those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, those that are thirsty, those that desire, when you meet together, the Spirit will come, and it will flow in you, and it will flow out of you. Here's a bit of a cheeky question I'm going to pose to you this morning. If you had stood close to the steps on that uh, day that Jesus spoke loudly on the day of tabernacles, and you heard the invitation, would you have responded yes? I think I want to be at that meeting. I'll find out where that meeting is. And I'm going to make sure I'm going to be there. So when the Spirit is poured out, it's poured out into me. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit, on that day of Pentecost, he knew exactly where to go. I say that because on the day of Pentecost, there were two meetings 
in Jerusalem that morning. There was the established meeting that was in the temple, where the establishment were assembled. All the dignitaries of the Jewish people, all those that were uh, looked up to as religious people, there were the priests, there were the Levites, there were the elders, there was the teachers of the law, along with the, the scribes and the Pharisees and uh, the devout Jews of Jerusalem. They were all there together in the temple on this morning of Pentecost. They were there to go through a ceremony of worship unto the Lord. They were all there. I looked into this because I wondered how many people could have been in the temple. And we know at these festivals, the temple was always full because they received thousands of visitors from all over for these uh, festive occasions. It appears that the temple could have housed 10,000 people. So there was possibly a meeting in the temple on Pentecost where 10,000 had gathered together to go through a ceremony of worship unto the Lord. But not many streets away from the temple, there was another meeting. A meeting possibly in an upper room. There were 120 just huddled together and they were behind a locked door because they were afraid the authorities, the religious authorities, might come and break up their meeting or arrest some of them. So they were behind locked doors. But these people were thirsty believers gathered together. So as the Holy Spirit comes from heaven, sent by God to Jerusalem, does he go to the temple where the thousands are gathering? Or does he bypass the temple, as it were, and go to this little room where this small number of frightened uh, believers were, were gathering together? He knows exactly where to go. It goes on to say in that particular scripture that we read, it says suddenly, suddenly, quickly, without warning, suddenly the Holy Spirit came. Now, uh, Jesus had already said he was going to send the Spirit, so he said go to Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. So there was something of an expectation, a belief that they knew the Holy Spirit was coming, but they didn't know how he was going to come. They didn't know when he was going to come, or where he was going to come, or the manner in which he was come. So there was a, an unexpectedness, a, a suddenness about it, a shock to them all. Okay. As I said, not to the thousands meeting in the temple, but to these 120 gathered in the upper room. I was thinking then, when Jesus came to earth, he came suddenly, didn't he? He came unexpectedly and without warning. It had been very quiet. Uh, there had been uh, the prophet John the Baptist sent to say Jesus is coming, but there was no more detail than that. So Jesus came suddenly. He didn't come to a palace. He didn't come to uh, Herod's palace or where there were princes and kings. He came to a stable. Well, the Bible doesn't actually say it was a stable.
stable. This is, it was placed in a manger, which is where they fed animals the food. So it's presumed that it was a place where animals were. So they say a stable, where animals were kept anyway. He wasn't welcomed by princes and kings, but he came under cover of darkness. He came to the poor part of town. Similarly, the Holy Spirit, when he came, he came also not to the temple, but to a poorer place in the city, a place where they could rent this upper room, a place that you wouldn't have looked at twice if you would walk past. And he came to where the faithful were. The faithful and the thirsty were gathered. When Jesus came, he came with singing, remember? The angels were there with the shepherds and they, they broke into song. They, they praised the coming of the Lord, great joy and so forth. When the Holy Spirit came, he came with the sound of a violent wind that was blowing. That word violence important, isn't it? It wasn't just a, a breath of air. It was a violent, violent wind. There was, I don't know if everyone heard it or appreciated it. Maybe only those in the upper room appreciated the, the, the violent wind, as in the case with the angels. Maybe only the shepherds heard the angels singing. Holy Spirit, when he came, it appears that he filled the room where they were. Imagine the room, it was a house. It says the people were seated. Uh, they might have been praying or not praying, we don't know, but they were gathered together, waiting, expectant of the Lord. And it says that the Holy Spirit came. He came with a, a violent noise, a wind, and he came and filled the the empty house, he filled it. Every part of that house was filled. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes, he wants to fill you. He wants to fill you completely. He doesn't want to fill a part of you, and so a part of you does what you want to do, and you live your life, and, and you live how you want to live, and the Holy Spirit just is helping you on Sunday or something. No, he comes to fill you up completely. In fact, he comes to empty you out of the stuff that he doesn't want in you, so he can fill, fill you up. He came to fill. He also came with a violent force. The Holy Spirit is is only depicted as a, a gentle dove, and, and I see that, but he's also violent. Uh, a fire, a water, a flood, uh, a violent wind, so he's both holding with both hands the gentle, loving dove and the, the violence of God that can break in and cause tremendous things to happen. He came and filled the, house, the whole house where they were. He filled it with the fire of God. Now, it's always good as you read the scriptures to stop for a minute and just imagine yourself in that situation. A room, locked doors, expectation, a little bit of fear perhaps, and then the Spirit comes in a violent force and he fills the whole place with the fire of God. The fire of God. The fire of God is not a destructive fire, as we know fire to be 
everything, but it's all-consuming. It's as though this fire fills everything. No one, no one has ever seen God, ever. But they have seen what the Bible calls the glory of God. So if you see the glory of God, that's seeing God. The glory of God always appears as fire. 30 to 40 times in the Old Testament, it talks about people seeing the fire of God or God speaking from the fire. I'll just give you one reference. It's in Deuteronomy 5 and 24. It says this, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. So God would appear as fire, the glory, the majesty of God, and he would speak from the fire. Remember that account where Moses uh, was in the desert with his sheep, and he he, he sees a bush that's burning and he, he goes towards it and he thinks this is strange. It's it's not it's not burning out as it were, it keeps burning. And I've never seen fire quite like this. And as he approaches the bush, the voice speaks from the bush, from the fire, remember? The voice speaking from the fire. He says, Moses, stop. Take your shoes off because you are approaching God. You're standing on holy ground. The fire that was burning that bush, the fire that appeared so many times to the different saints of God, was the fire that was in the room that day. It was the fire of God. The fire of God filled the room that day. It says it filled the room. But more than that, the fire just wasn't in the room. It says this, it went to each one of them personally and rested on them. What an exciting day that was. Oh, they didn't expect anything like this. Their wildest imagination couldn't believe that God himself would come. He would meet them in the room, and then he would divide himself somehow and rest on every one of them. He would, he would be that close that he would be on them. God himself, the fire of God, would come upon him. But listen, it gets even more exciting than that. It says the fire of God entered each one of them, filled the room, came personally to rest on them, and then entered into them. The fire of God entered into them. Not even Moses experienced that. None of the Old Testament saints experienced that. The fire of God coming into them. But it wasn't the fire sent by God, it was God himself, God in the person of the Holy Spirit came and entered into every one of those that was in that room. They didn't know what to do, there was no order of service there, they were just, they were struck, it was sudden, it was dramatic, it was dynamic, it was forceful, it was powerful. It was God. Now, thinking back, remember when Jesus met with the apostles uh, in the upper room uh, the, the day before he was crucified? We call it the Last Supper. And there he, he chatted with them. He 
wanted to reassure them that, listen, he was going, but everything was going to be all right. From, from now on, things would really kick off for them. It says in John 14 and 23, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. This was a demonstration of God's love for his people. This day in this room, my Father will love him. And he says, and we will come to him. You see, by the person of the Holy Spirit, both the Father and the Son were coming to these people individually, just like he wants to come individually and personally to you. We're not just all Christians uh, just banded together, but we're individuals with God, where God has come personally to us. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God and the Son Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. Isn't that amazing? We're not just following some sort of religion where we try to be good and, and, and please God. And, and, no, He comes to live inside us. He knows that we can't be good. He knows how hard it is for us to be good. So he says, listen, I'll make it as easy for you as I can. I will come in the person of the Holy Spirit and I will enter into you and I will fill you and I will change you in the inside and I will enable you to live like me. He says, be imitators of me. Well, you think, well, how can I imitate God? That's not possible. It is possible when he enters into you. On that first Holy Spirit Pentecost, the fire of God, God the Holy Spirit, came to indwell God's people. He came to indwell us, to live inside of us. Peter tells us in the early chapters of Acts that this wonderful gift the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son, coming to dwell in us by the person of the Holy Spirit, is for every Christian who's thirsty for more of God. You see, not all Christians have welcomed the fire of God into them. They are born again, and it is the Spirit of God that makes them alive to God, but they're treading carefully. God says, no, no, don't tread carefully. Come and receive the fire of God inside of you. Be thirsty for more of me. Be thirsty for this consuming fire to come into your life. I'll just read that verse where Peter says that. It's in Acts 2 and 38. It says this, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, this salvation this filling of the fire of God is for everyone. Peter says, for everyone, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Repent, be baptized, and believe, and receive this wonderful gift of the fire of God. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you received? This gift? Does God consume you? Does he fill your heart and your very life?
and receive the Spirit. That same invitation is being given to you again. It's come through the ages, through thousands of years, the 2,000 years. That same invitation has gone out to receive into ourselves the very person, the power, and the fire of God himself into our souls. The Lord bless you this morning on Pentecost Sunday. God bless you. The recording has stopped.